If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Living Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Devoli's House of Cards here on a Wednesday, a week before the NFL draft. A week from now, it'll be the eve of the NFL draft. Will the Jags still have their number one overall pick? Will they still have their number 33 overall pick? Maybe they will trade some of those for Debo Samuel. There we go. Yeah, you got to yeah, turn sorry. that bad boy up. Yeah, um, listen, I, I get the Debo Samuel hype. Obviously, he's a, he's a budding top wide receiver. I don't like him here in Jacksonville right now, I'll be honest with you. Really? Yeah. You don't like him in Jacksonville at all? Like, I can't get him? No. I mean, I, mean, I can't get Devoli's house of cards and give a few packs of cards away for Debo Samuel? You don't like him? No, I would love to have Debo Samuel on the Jacksonville Jaguars. But financially, it makes zero sense whatsoever because you're probably going to spend the most money of any NFL team on your wide receiver unit, and you wouldn't even have, theoretically, maybe a top six, top seven wide receiver unit. So is the money worth the means? I don't think so. Hmm. I think there right now are 31 teams looking at their rosters and saying, how do we get Debo Samuel on sure. my roster, uh, no matter how it looks? And I'm sure there are going to be about eight of them that will really make a play or say, hey, we could really make a play. And keep in mind now, San Francisco, if you just catch on to this story, the story is Jeff Darlington talked to Debo Samuel. And it's starting to be some rumbles, right, with all the wide receiver stuff, with the A.J. Browns, the McLarens, the um, heck, the Metcalf stuff's been going on for a while. But Debo Samuel and that, those, those receivers that, hey, Christian Kirk got what? Devontae Adams is getting what? Yeah. I want to get paid, right, and I've performed. And so it started with that. Well, now it's gone to Debo Samuel, according to Jeff Darlington. He wants a trade. And it's not that San Francisco doesn't want to keep him or might make a play for him. It's that he might not want to be in San Francisco. So well, that's the story coming yeah. out of San Fran right now. But also keep in mind, it could be Debo's camp trying to leverage the 49ers True. a little bit and say, True. hey, if you're Debo Samuel, do you want to be uh, a top five paid wide receiver? Yeah, but then do you want extra money as well because what you do in terms of your versatility? That's the, the one thing that he has going for himself right now is the fact that he is a running back and he is a wide receiver. So anytime you're dynamic like that, I think it actually adds to your value. I think that's what Debo Samuel's camp is trying to purvey right now of the 49ers, where maybe the 49ers want to pay him just like a wide receiver. He's not just a wide receiver. He can do so much more. So that's what I think is going on right now uh, with the 49ers and Debo. Yeah, well, and we'll see where it ends up. But, heck, it's good sports radio. Let's just stop at that, okay, and see – should the Jags be interested? Would they be interested? Who will be interested? What do you have to give up for them? Uh, you know, there's no different than this conversation with, like, a DK Metcalf. Uh, the, there have been these receiver talks mm -hmm. this year. Now, the Jaguars did some stuff in free agency, so did they pigeonhole themselves, to your point, right? Did they already spend, and now they've got X dollars tied up. They've got these receivers. They don't need to go get – well, they might need to, but they don't really – it doesn't make a lot of sense – to maybe go get another guy and give up resources to do that. So these are all the conversations that you could have. Uh, nothing hot and heavy to the point of this might happen, but it's certainly fun to play the game of where the Jags would see a guy like Debo Samuel. And I really have this burning question about Debo Samuel 
as it relates to almost any other team other than San Francisco, but especially the Jaguars. Would they use him the same way? Does San Francisco just use him so well and get the most out of Debo Samuel? Are they built to do that? Do you have to be built a certain way? Would you have the confidence he could be who he is in Jacksonville with Doug Peterson and this style of offense? I just feel like you wouldn't need Debo Samuel to be what he was in San Francisco because Debo Samuel and his emergence of uh, being an all-pro was the emergence of out of necessity when the 49ers kind of lost all of their running backs, which seems to be the way of the 49ers the past couple of years. So when you take a a Kyle Shanahan-led offense and you say, okay, we don't really have a running back right now. Um, We still want to be dynamic in terms of probably run first, pass second, but we still want to keep teams honest. What can we do? Well, let's put Debo Samuel back there. If you look at the numbers in terms of what Debo Samuel was able to do last year, I mean, he was a hell of a receiver last year. Not only six touchdowns, which is, I mean, it's still admirable. Um, It's not going to knock your socks off, but he had over 1,000 yards receiving, so there you go. And then you look what he did in the run game, and, yeah, your, your jaw's on the floor because he is so dynamic. If you bring him to Jacksonville, I don't really see them using him in the backfield, especially when you have a guy like James Robinson and you have a guy like Travis Etienne who... I think a lot of fans would hope he is the kind of like the, the Debo Samuel. He is the dynamic player. Um, he is the Alvin Kamara, if you will, where maybe you put him in the slot a little bit like Urban Meyer wanted to do. Or you just have him in the backfield. But, like, he's going to be the, uh, the dynamic guy, and James Robinson is going to be the between-the-tackles guy. So, I mean, if you were to bring Debo Samuel here, I think it would be just under a wide receiver capacity as your true one receiver. What does it take to get a guy like Debo Samuel if you were interested? The Jags do have a player in LaVisca Chenault that they could maybe put in part of a deal. They have the first overall pick, the 33rd overall pick, the 65th, the 70th, uh, 642 six-round picks, and next year's draft. (laughs) They've got capital, right? Um, What's the cost of doing business in in a Debo Samuel kind of play? We've seen some big-time trades over the last couple years, and it really started with Jacks. Well, it really started with Laramie Tunsil going to Houston from Miami, but then even the Jags were involved, right? Two first-rounders and a fourth-rounder for Jalen Ramsey they got. Is it are we talking that kind of compensation for a guy like Debo Samuel, or is it something lesser, especially if you can include a player? Like, I mean, if I threw something out at you, like uh, LaVisca Chennault, 33rd overall pick, number 70 in like a second rounder or a third rounder next year, yeah. I mean, could you get away with something like that? Or do you think we're talking first round kind of picks for Debo I Samuel? I mean, Even though 33, by the way, is really darn close to a first it's round. It's darn close. No, I mean, they're they're they're. If, if I'm the 49ers, I'm taking a first-round pick for Debo Samuel. Uh, that's, you know, he's, he's one of the budding um, wide receivers in the game right now. So I'm not going to sell it for anything less than a first-round pick, which I think is fair. Now, when we talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, that's number one overall pick. So to me, that's definitely not worth it. Sure, I mean, if you want to throw in a couple of players and maybe call it a, a, a second-round pick, well, then let's go ahead and throw in Christian Kirk because that's, that's the biggest hurdle that I can't overcome right now is the money that you've got to take on to get a guy like Debo Samuel. Because when you do negotiate the new contract, he's going to be a top five wide receiver in the league. So now you have a top five paid wide receiver in the league on your team, and you also have close to a top ten wide receiver in the league in Christian Kirk. That's a lot of money going to your wide receiver core. Hmm. Uh, no way, right? No way you would part with the number one overall pick in any scenario for this. No. Uh, first of all, you you might not part with anything based on the way you're talking, but no, I mean I would I would part with trading Christian Kirk away. Yeah, which would be absolutely wild if you signed Christian Kirk and then <laughs> hey. traded him away. Hey. Jags might have to eat some of that money because that's the only. 
I mean, eat the money. That's fine. But, like, if you get him off the books and you get Debo Samuel, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not mad at that. That's funny, actually. That's uh, Ty said that to me first thing. He's like, trade Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't even had a chance to buy a jersey yet. Yeah. Uh, and here we go. But some people would suggest trading the number one overall pick. It lacks logic, in my estimation, to trade the number one overall pick mm-hmm. on a lot of different fronts. Like, we've had this conversation with DK Metcalf. I never wanted to trade the number one pick for DK Metcalf either. Mm-hmm. And here's why, to me, it lacks logic, Austin. Whoever you're signing like, or you're trading for, say it's a Metcalf, say it's a Debo, whatever, you're signing them to a mega deal. It's going to be like a $100 million deal, something like that. Correct. And so you got a ton of money locked in. If you, were, if you really value the receiver position to that degree, that you're willing to give up the number one overall pick and then sign somebody for $100 million, well, just go get the best receiver in this draft, mm-hmm. and then you can have them for like, a $35 million contract over the course of four, even five years with some control because of the option and everything else. And now you're getting what you think is an alpha number, you know, number one receiver yeah. for 60% off sale. So it really lacks any logic in my estimate. Now you got to still hit on that receiver. You know what you're getting in a guy like Debo or Metcalf or somebody like that. Exactly. But it just lacks a little logic to me that you would ever even think about parting ways with a number one overall pick for for anybody uh, no, at the for receiver sure. position. Well, absolutely, and that's the thing about it is when we talk about the, the value and we talk about, you know, having that rookie deal, I mean, that means everything. And you can definitely still get a, a you know, a one wide receiver for your team, maybe the best wide receiver of, overall, maybe even in the second round, definitely in the first round. I mean, depending on, you know, when the, when the, the spending spree starts, but you can get a quality guy at a low price in the second round if you are truly that desperate and you feel like you have to take somebody there. Do you think some people would stay away from Debo Samuel because they're not sure they would use him correctly? They don't want, they're not willing to go to the backfield use as much as maybe San Francisco was. They wouldn't well, buy into that. You know see, what I mean? but I think Debo is still a capable receiver. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I get he's dynamic and you can put him in the backfield and he's a beast back there. But he's still a very, very capable receiver. So if you use him in a more of like a traditional sense where he's just, you know, he's your standard wide receiver, I still think he can definitely make some bread off that as so, well. And the reason I bring that up is, uh, let me make sure I have the person right, uh, Cynthia Freeland, who works for uh, NFL Network, does a lot of statistical stuff. Sure. She's looking at next-gen stats on Debo. In his first 33 games of his career, he was in the backfield 2.1% of the snaps. Yeah. He was wide 72%, slot 20%, yeah. tight 5%. That's a lot of numbers. But basically, he was lined up on the wide receiver's part mm-hmm. 98% of the time. Yeah. Okay? In the last 11 games of last year, he was 20% in the backfield. Mm-hmm. So he went from 2%. They used him 10 times as much in the last 11 games, 10 games, 11 games, in his first 33 in his career yep. in the backfield. Because they had to. Yeah. And I mean, so, it was out of necessity. And, and, yeah. And so my, but that's where he thrived, too. I mean, and so now you've got to be committed to it. Yeah. I mean, uh, see, I, I don't think so because I still think he's a hell of a receiver. I, I mean, he, he still got his reps. He still got his targets at a, as a wide receiver as well and did pretty well. Um, I forgot, like, what the – like what the yards after catch was, but I'm pretty sure it was pretty astronomical in terms of how great that guy was as a receiver. So, uh, I mean, you know, this up-and-coming year, if he's still on San Fran, I guess time will tell how they use him. But I definitely see him being more of a receiver this next year if they do have the healthy, you know, backs um, to tote the rock as well. Yesterday we talked about uh, who would get paid first, guys like Debo, McLaurin, um, A.J. Brown. Mm-hmm. Let me throw one guy in, in the mix, like uh, Metcalf. And forget about paying. Who would you want? 
Like, for, just take, okay, you can get rid of Kirk for the moment, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Who, who would you want out of all those guys, um, or even if you want to narrow it down, like a guy like Metcalf, who's an alpha kind of receiver. He is. Or Debo, who's really coming on, uh, had a better year last year than Metcalf, yeah. and can obviously be a versatile player. I'm taking Scary Terry all day. Um, simply because I think he is truly the best wide receiver. I think with the quarterbacks that he's played with, he has still been able to get his numbers, to get his touchdowns, um, and he's like almost matchup proof on no one can really cover him one-on-one. So I think if you're looking for a true receiver, which I think the Jaguars are, because you do have ETN, who can do a little bit of everything we hope. Um, you do have James Robinson, who can also tote the rock. So you're looking at a bona fide one receiver. I think that bona fide one receiver who can run the route tree, who can do everything that you ask him, who you can move around in the slot. If you truly have to, you shouldn't have to, but if you move in the slot, move in the outside, that's going to be Terry. All right, so now, of all the scenarios, it's not like Terry McLaurin's on the block. They're not going to get rid of him, mm-hmm. I don't think. A.J. Brown... I don't see that, even though he's now taken Tennessee off his social media. Oh, yeah. Dude, they're, they're all playing the game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but in reality, the DK Metcalf stuff could be real. You don't know what Seattle's doing, like, right? I mean, could you make a pitch that they're like, hey, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'll take that, right? Mm-hmm. We're starting over all this stuff. And Debo, could it be real based on these reports? Out of those two guys. Out of Debo and? DK Metcalf. That would appear to potentially be available if you really wanted to go after him. Sure, sure. Um, I would probably take DK Metcalf then. Interesting. Yep. Uh, why? Because I think he's just uh, overall just as a receiver. I mean, yeah, I think Debo can definitely do more. But like I said, you don't need Debo to do um, in Jackson what he did in San Fran just because I think you have the running game to back it up and you have the, uh, the dynamic players to help you out as well. So I need a true receiver, and I think DK Metcalf, uh, is you know I mean they both have great speed. DK is a lot faster, obviously. Um, I think he's much more of the deep threat. So go ahead and give me DK Becca. Yeah, and what's what's kind of interesting is, uh, you know, in that scenario, I I just kind of wonder, do you want the versatile guy versus the alpha guy, right? I mean, if you look at some of the receivers over the years, uh, that alpha can be like, all right, draws a lot of attention, mm-hmm. gonna go make that big play. DK fits that. He just he's got the just everything about him screams that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But I think there's a lot of people that would answer that question with Debo Samuel. I think a lot of you people would say that. We'll take him over DK Metcalf? Yeah, I, I think a lot of people well, would. Well, what would you do? Uh, I think I lean toward DK as well, and okay. some of it's probably concern at how San Fran used it. Like, I, I told these guys here at the Voice House of Cards, and I'm a... I'm afraid almost to say this out loud, mm-hmm. but I feel like he might be a shade overrated. Debo Samuel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and some of this is the fit and uh, Shanahan and how they were able to use him and what they did to use him and sure. what they find a fell into with using him out of the backfield. And so you take all, all that stuff, and I just don't know if I have the confidence that he's going to go somewhere else, plug and play, and be as good as dynamic as he was. I mean, Debo Samuel was like the talk of the league last year for the last two months. Like, yep. it was incredible what what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Is he going to stay on that course? Is he going to maintain that? Uh, again, I don't think he's a bad player, so don't go crazy with overrated. I just wonder if he is a shade overhyped and just like almost like a perfect fit in San Francisco as opposed to where he would go, not just in Jacksonville, but other places. Yeah, I mean, it's... He's he's hyped because of what he had to do. I mean, he had to essentially put the team on his back when George Kittle was out. Brandon Ayuk was kind of in the doghouse a little bit. Like, that entire offense ran through Debo Samuel. So, I mean, 
rightfully so, that's why he got so much hype because he literally had the ball in his hand, whether he's running the ball or, or Jimmy Garoppolo is passing him the ball. Yeah, I mean, like, if he goes to a different team, you're not going to see the, the usage, I believe, as you saw in San Francisco. But it's like I, I stand by. I think he's still a great wide receiver um, and can benefit any team. Now, is he a top five wide receiver like he's going to probably get paid for? That I'm not sure of. But I'd definitely put him top ten overall in terms of wide receivers in the league, which if you're a top ten wide receiver, that definitely means something. You said something interesting earlier about the dollars and the resources and the everything spent on wide receiver. Do you feel okay with the Jags at 33 going to get a receiver? Because while that's not necessarily dollars, it's investment, right? It's capital. It's yeah. saying, hey, we're still going to keep investing in this position. So is it more just, hey, you got to be careful how many dollars you're putting toward a certain position? Or are you okay with the investment of draft capital? Kind of, I mean, we've been talking about it for months and months, right? Uh, maybe the Jags trade back in the first round, get a receiver. Are you okay yeah, yeah. at 33, that second pick, going to get a receiver and adding to what they already have? No, uh, I'm absolutely okay with it because we talk about who's went in the second and third rounds. Debo Samuel has done that. Yep. A.J. Brown has done that. Uh, Terry McLaurin. McLaurin has <laughs> done that. You know, and if you let history be your guide in terms of the top wide receiver taken overall every single year, I mean, Henry Ruggs. Eh, Marquise Brown. Okay. D.J. Moore. Okay, now he's a solid one. Corey Davis. Doesn't really do much for me right now. Yeah. I mean, I get it. He's having a maybe resurgence in New York. Corey Cole. Jerry Judy's of the world, right? I mean, yeah, but, but I'm saying like the, the, the top receiver top like overall one. in the draft. Uh, Corey Coleman. I'm not sure if he's even still playing in the league. Amari uh, Cooper. You know, now he's with um, uh, Cle the Cleveland Browns. Sammy Watkins. Tavon Austin. Justin Blackman. A.J. Green. Demarius Thomas. Darius Haywood Bay. So if you look at it, you know, in terms of the hype, all right, this guy is definitely the, the top talent. we got to draft him the highest in the draft every single year. It hasn't always play, uh, played out. Sometimes it's the second guy. Sometimes it's the third guy. Sometimes it's the fifth guy taken in the draft that ends up being the best wide receiver. So, no, I, I have no grievances, no qualms whatsoever if you take a guy in the second round or maybe even the third round with such a deep wide receiver class. Yeah, well, and, and by the way, to your point, there was something written, I think, a couple months ago. I forget who it was. And they're like, Does it, is it really smart to give receivers second-year contracts? Is it really smart to go invest in guys that are going to cost you this much on the receiver position? And the reason you ask that question is because are we getting to a point where star wide receivers are a dime a dozen? You know, I mean, yeah. is the receiver position that depth? I mean, look, we're talking about three guys that came in the second and third round. Sure. Three. Three really good players that are going to command a lot of money that came in the second, third round a few years back. Yeah. And that probably isn't stopping Austin. No. I mean, Justin Jefferson was a 22nd overall pick, not a second rounder, but he was still a little deeper in the first round. I mean, we have guys in these first three rounds that you've got a uh, Cooper Cup mm -hmm. that are going to deliver and produce and be valuable assets in their second and third round that if I'm a GM, I'm like, okay, why am I spending so much to get X guy or why am I investing so early when I – I can probably take a couple of chances here in the second, third round and find a gem. You, you probably can, but I look at a team like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who have invested a lot of money in their wide receiving core, and they've had a lot of success with that. So uh, I just think, like, if, if the talent is worth the money um, and, and you can swing it, then by all means. I mean, that's the thing about wide receivers. They help your quarterback out. They make your quarterback happy. And that's probably the most important thing that you need right now in the National Football League is to make your quarterback happy. Because if Aaron Rodgers has taught us anything, if Russell Wilson has taught us anything, it's that you don't want an unhappy quarterback on your team because it can cause a lot of problems. Is it fact or is it myth that the Jaguars started all this? 
with the Christian Kurtz signing. Let's take a break. We're live at Tivoli's House of Cards. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz here on a Wednesday. Just did our Dream 18 show. Coming up after our show, Action Sports Shacks OT with Casey and Brian Middleton. Uh, a lot to get to. Also, Ronald Acuna Jr., day two in Jacksonville. How did he do last night? How did he do today? A little baseball chatter as well, but more football when we come back. A little more than a week away from the 2022 NFL Draft. Christian Kirk, did he set off this firestorm in the NFL? We'll talk about it next on ESPN 690. I would be screaming. Only I would be talking to the people in the front <laughs> office and not to the media about it. Right. Cooper Cup's going to get his money because it's Cooper Cup. He's a, he's a nice guy, first one in the building, last one out of the building. He's the staple of the Rams offense. They're going to address it. He makes $14.5 million scheduled this year. It's not chump change, but he certainly is extremely underpaid based on the marketplace. And I think Leslie and Sean McVay, along with Stan Kroenke, will figure out how to get it done. Keyshawn Johnson on ESPN 690 this morning, along with Max Kellerman and Jay Williams, talking about Cooper Cup. Uh, probably won't see as much publicity around Cooper Cup and him getting paid. <laughs> I think he's yeah, already he's... been quoted like, hey, uh, we'll do its best. Yeah. But it's not. I'm not worried about where I rank amongst everybody else and all that stuff. Like, well, he's not enamored with that. Yeah, I mean, when you go to a D1AA school, it makes you a little more humble sometimes, I, I think. I, I guess, yeah. And I'm not saying the other ones. It, it's For some, that matters, right? I want to be the highest paid guy. And uh, I, I really do think that's more agent-driven, like, but I also think there's some human nature yeah. involved. I mean, you talk about any walk of life. People would like to, maybe if you're the uh, if you're a real estate agent, you want to be the real estate agent selling the most houses, making the most money. For sure, for right? sure. Yeah. I mean, if if uh, I mean, you name like any like I said. I mean, you, you want to be potentially you want to be that. Now, mm-hmm. not everybody's driven by that, mm-hmm. um, but you might want that, and especially if you're in a world where you have an agent. Well, they're going to try to get you that, <laughs> right? Because usually oh, uh, that's yeah. going to create them more business. And so that's what I, I wonder sometimes. I wonder how many of it's when people say that and that narrative comes out. It's like, I want to be, this guy wants to be the highest paid guy. Mm-hmm. Is it more agent driven or is it more player driven? Like, does Jalen Ramsey, who just signed a recent contract, does he really care that much that Denzel Ward has now got a bigger deal? Uh, I mean, I think a part of him does care. I mean, when you're considered the, the, the best cornerback in the league, you know, that's that's going to come with a lot of ego um, tied in. And when you're not the highest paid cornerback in the league, I think that ego sometimes can get you a little frustrated. So, I mean, it's not the end-all, be-all. Jalen Ramsey's doing just fine with the money that he's making being on a, a Super Bowl-winning team. But I think, you know, players do look at that. And they say, hey, I'm the best so-and-so at my position. Why aren't I getting paid like I'm the best so-and-so at my position? Yeah, and, and by the way, you, there's also some... You, you can't have a level of stupidity about this. I mean, if you just did your contract like in the last 12 months and you got $100 million, oh, guess what? The next guy's probably going to try to eclipse it. And you can't redo your contract every 12 months. I mean, this is true. it's like right now houses are going pretty well most of the, in this area. Yeah. Uh, if you sell your house today, there's a really good chance your neighbor might sell theirs for a little more next month. Yeah. Now, <laughs> you know, keep in mind, for sure, though, we've talked about DeAndre Hopkins, who had three years left in his deal, wanting like, a new deal yeah. as well. So, um, you know, I think we're seeing players get more and more bold to the game of saying, 
I don't care what my contract says. I want a new one because I think I'm the best player in the league. All right. Speaking of contracts, Christian Kirk has raised a lot of eyebrows, right? It's like, mm-hmm. whoa. And what do we say? Ah, I don't care. It's not my money. It might have been a situation where the Jags said, hey, we got to get a guy. And if it takes whatever to get him, we're getting our guy. Who knows what the negotiations were like? Who knows what other teams were interested uh, who knows why the Jags paid Christian Kirk them as much as they did? They certainly overpaid to some degree. Sure. I think what people are missing, and I uh, had this conversation here at the Village House of Cards uh, before the show, said if you really look at the contract, there are options out of that sucker after two years. Yeah. So it's essentially a two-year deal worth $37, $38, 39000000 million, somewhere in there, which is still a lot of money. I'm not saying it's not. Correct. But it's also not like this crazy long commitment with $70 million guaranteed and all this stuff. And I think it's being viewed as that. And so it's actually a team-friendly contract in a lot of ways because it's two years and then you could be off the books. Yeah. And a lot of contracts are structured that way now. So I'm not sure it's as bad a contract as everybody says it is or is overwhelming. But it still has a, tick, a sticker price of, whoa, he got what? Mm-hmm. And it feels like ever since Christian Kirk got that, the domino effect on wide receivers yeah. wanting to get paid or getting paid. Yeah has been pretty wild. Was that a direct correlation to Kirk, or were we going to see this anyway? No, you're going to see it anyways. Um, I don't think, I mean, I, like, I get like Kirk is the kind of like he's the latest that got, you know, probably more than he's worth. But that's like saying, I mean, he's making just as much money as Kenny Galladay is making right now. And, and look what Kenny Galladay got. Look what Brandon Cooks got a few years ago. So to say that, you know, like Christian Kirk is, is spearheading this whole operation um, and the NFL is trying to, you know, I guess – Reptile and re, you know, set itself with these wide receiver payouts. No, I mean, I think I'll use a lot of guys as an example because keep in mind, like Kirk's like, I think he's number 10 or 11 right now, maybe number 12 even in terms of highest paid wide receivers, right? So there's guys ahead of him that are making a lot more money where it's like, well, I'm not sure if he should be making that much money. So I don't think Christian Kirk like reset the market or anything. And maybe like agents are using him. Um, as an example, kind yeah, of as a probably. scapegoat, but like I don't think teams are saying, "Oh, look what they paid Christian Kirk." Now we got to, you know, establish that. It's a good point. You know, you think about. I think your Galladay point is a really good one. Yeah. Now, did we? I think there was a lot of noise about that contract. Like, wow, that was a lot of money for Galladay too. Yeah. Now he had performed, mm-hmm. but did he perform to that level? Right to to get that kind of contract. Well, and then he had really not a good year. I think a Michael Thomas a couple years ago kind of reset the market. Remember when he signed that $20 million a year deal? Mm-hmm. Well, it feels like he hasn't played it down since. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. I mean, he has, but it doesn't feel like it. Very little impact since that. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead of buyer beware. Now, by the way, Thomas had done a lot on his resume to say he could be that guy. So people that I'm bringing up, like Galladay and a guy like Michael Thomas in that situation, yeah. who maybe have not done a lot since they signed the deal. Correct. Had done quite a bit before, especially in uh, Thomas's case. Well, Galladay, too. I mean, Galladay had over 1,000 yards receiving and 11 touchdowns one year in Detroit. And this is Detroit. I'm not even sure he was throwing him the ball at the time. So, I mean, he, he listen, I, I understand that it's a year-by-year basis. I think the following year he may have been hurt. So there's a speculation of, you know, how uh, great he was going to be as a wide receiver. But when he was playing at full strength, he was an absolute beast in Detroit. So, I mean, I definitely think he, he earned that paycheck. Now you see him in New York, and, yeah, he's fighting with Daniel Jones on the sideline. He's not getting his targets. There's a lot of frustration right now. Um, but they got to figure that out. But I think, like, in terms of, you know, when, when Giants fans were string, you know, or, or maybe, you know, a little t- turned off to the idea 
I think most of them were, were open to the idea of paying Kenny Gallagher that much because the guy was a beast in Detroit. And once again, I'm not sure who, who was throwing him the ball. Yeah, I mean, I think that was Stafford's time. At was it Stafford? Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so that, that part, he's but then okay. he hurt. Yeah, yeah, but then, yeah, but didn't Stafford get hurt? Wasn't that it, year? Was it that wasn't season? it, um, whatchamacallit? Who's, who's the backup? Uh, Chase Daniel. Or was that a different year? Yeah, it might have been. I don't okay. know. I don't know. Um, but the bottom line is the receiver market has been inflating regardless. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think it just comes back to – and Christian Kirk and the Jags made it – I think you're right. I think – I'm not sh- – I think a lot of this stuff would have happened anyway. I really think that Devontae Adams deal mm-hmm. is the one that, that really got the market kicked into a new gear. I mean, it's only $28 million a year for a receiver. Yeah. I mean, $28 million a year for a receiver, it's quarterback money. Mm-hmm. It is quarterback money. It's wild. Right? Yeah. And so and, – and I will say this. You know, we t- <laughs> it's a great time – uh, of our li- lives to talk about supply and demand, right? Yeah. There are a hell of a lot more res- good receivers out there than there are good quarterbacks. Yes. And and, and there are more on the way. Mm-hmm. And so I do think, I'm wondering what the stopping point is. Are people going to be willing to just keep doling out those that kind of cash for receivers? Or is somebody going to be like, eh, then get out of here, A.J. Brown. You know, then go do yeah. your thing, Debo Samuel, because I can find another one of you in round two this year. Now, keep in mind, San Francisco, this is something we didn't bring up. They don't have a pick until, like, pick 61 this year. Mm-hmm. So it actually might behoove them to make a trade and go get some draft compensation yeah, uh, yeah. for him. But are we going to see a team just say, yeah, hey, guys, listen, we're not spending $22 million a year for a receiver? I think that you're – I mean, it's to me, it's a lot like the – the, the pass rusher market. We talked about how, like, Yannick Ngakwe, you know, when he wanted his money, he didn't get his money. Um, you know, Frank Clark, you could say, maybe stole a little bit when he got paid. But, like, I always think there's going to be a demand for the top five wide receivers, regardless of, of where the year is at. Um, I always think that if you have the another Devontae Adams, if you have a Tyreek Hill, if you have a guy who's unequivocally a top five wide receiver, then a team will be willing to spend a lot of money on it. Just like a T.J. Watt. You know what I mean? We, we talked forever how the, the edge rusher market was kind of down, kind of down. Well, then here comes T.J. Watt just dominating like his, you know, his, his brother before him and J.J. And now, you know, he, he got a pretty dang good contract, which he earned, by the way, um, in, in Pittsburgh. So I always think that if you're a top five guy, regardless of your position, you will get paid like that regardless of, of what the market looks like. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Uh, certainly could be the case. Uh, are, are people getting too enamored with the wide receiver position, maybe not putting enough stock in something else, I think is a, a question that I don't know if we can fully answer yet until we see these teams play. Mm-hmm. But uh, it might be something to keep an eye on. Another interesting thing coming out of the Debo Samuel conversation, again, there's a part of me, I said this to you the other day, I said there's a part of me that thinks there's somebody in the NFL circles mm-hmm. that's like, hey, guys, Everybody's tired of talking about the draft and mock drafts and, like, uh, we need a little something. How about you receivers spark some interest here? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Debo, yeah. McLaurin, uh, A.J. Brown, it all came out on a Monday. It's like, hey, guys, let's get together. We need a topic. You know, everybody's <laughs> talking about the NBA coming off the weekend. Yeah, like, yeah. There's a little bit of this. Is, it just feels like is it just part of the daily soap opera or is it real? And, I mean, this feels real, but it, it does ring through my mind a little bit. Um Derek Carr said, what do you think about Debo Samuel? I think he was asked about it or whatever, or maybe it was on social media. He said, no, we're saving that money for Redfro. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, big moment That's uh, a good probably team, for him, right? Uh, from a, a leadership team, standpoint, oh, guy yeah. who just got paid said, uh, no, we like this guy. Sure. That's, that's awesome. That's what you need to do. That's, yeah. uh, that's a good quarterback. That's a general right there. 
And to your point, oh, like you said this earlier, can you put too much in the position? I don't know what Renfro is going to get paid. Uh, he's not going to get paid Devontae Adams money. He's probably not going to get paid Debo Samuel money. No, no. Uh, no but he's going to get paid probably. Mm -hmm. And they're already paying a guy $28 million in Devontae Adams. I mean, how much are they going to be willing to pay Renfro and lock into that position? Yeah, I mean, listen, Renfro's got the numbers and everything. But, like, I don't think he, he's not going to make a top 10 type of money, I don't believe. Um, it might may, may be top 15 money. So, I mean, you know, I, I think that will correct itself in terms of, yeah, he's going to get his, his well-earned money, which he has because he's been playing. I mean, he's been the most dependable receiver um, on the Raiders now. And that's a, a receiving core that had Zay Jones, that, that still has Darren Waller. Um, and the go-to guy was Hunter Renfro. So, yeah, he's going to get some money, but it's not going to be top 10. So, I mean, if you're not talking about that, like, I think they can make it work because if we say anything about the salary cap, I say this all the time, I don't think it's even real sometimes because teams spend, 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 and somehow always make it work. No, in fact, my uh, the number one thought I had, actually, when I saw this Debo stuff, is yeah. he's going to end up on the Rams. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> why, why not, you know? Everybody well, ends up I on mean, the Rams. I think I think that the Packers personally, but, yeah. Yeah, I guess we have – is that – do you think – where does he end up? Everybody's hot, right? So there's Dallas. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. New England, I've heard today. Uh, uh, Green Bay. Does it make some sense? Yeah. I mean, is he really going to come to a Jacksonville? One thing about this, if you want to go to a – you want to get rid of your taxes, Debo, from California and San Fran to, no, like, a Jacksonville sure. or somewhere in Texas might be a smart move for you. I understand. And, like, I do think there is some truth to, you know, this smoke screen right now that he's not happy. I, I believe that. But I have a hard time seeing San Francisco just let him go. Like, you think uh, he stays? Yeah, I think he stays. But if he was to go to a team, I mean, it's hard to imagine trading with an NFC opponent that's kind of up there with you in Green Bay. But I think Green Bay makes a lot of sense. Because it, it, in doing so, if you were to trade for Debo Samuel, you're showing faith in Aaron Rodgers saying, now, okay, we lost Devontae Adams. Not sure if that's our fault or not. My, our bad regardless. Here's Debo Samuel. Have fun with it. We'll take a break. We're live at Tavoli's House of Cards. Coming by here until 6 o'clock. Then we hand off to Action Sports Shacks OT. We do it each and every Wednesday. So uh, come down, say hello. We'll teach you a little bit about the card game. You might know a lot about it. We have a little pack battles. Have some fun. We talk more football. That's on the way on ESPN 690. Trey Young got bullied last night. I know he had 25 points on 20 shots, but they sped him up. They play so fast. I, I don't have Trey Young as a superstar. I don't. And it's not a knock. I think there are levels to this, and I'm going to break down what the levels to superstardom in the NBA actually are, Max. And that's what we're and doing. Trey Young does not qualify. No, he does not. Mm, strong take by Jay Williams. Yeah. Chris Canty-esque. Mm-hmm. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. We're live at Tavoli's House of Cards, St. John's County, right off uh, 210, uh, right off 95 as well. Come visit us on Wednesdays. Actually been hanging out since 2 o'clock because we have our new Dream 18 show. Had Paul Tesori as the guest talking about his second round of the Players' Championship in 2018 as he caddied for Webb Simpson. And the uh, complete conversation and more to that conversation will be out this week on the Dream 18 podcast. Make sure you uh, follow us at Dream 18 Show on Twitter and also look up uh, Dream 18 on the podcast form wherever you find your podcast to take a listen. Last week, Jim Furyk. This week, it was Paul Tesori. And it won't be everybody from the golf world, by the way, but certainly uh, having a, a little fon with that. Two o'clock on Wednesdays. I uh, hope you can join us next week. And again, in podcast form, Trey Young, superstar. 
He's um, he gets treated like a superstar. Yeah, uh, superstar. I mean, you know, we throw that word around I feel a like lot. Last year, we were like, yeah, no doubt. Oh yeah, I mean, I think that when we were here, we talked about like the the rising superstars in the league right now. I think under twenty five, we established. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. he was definitely in that list. Um, he, he's teetering. He, he's definitely teetering because th- this is where you make your money now is in the playoffs, right? Like, yeah, the, the regular season's one thing, but you really make a name and put yourself on the map when you have playoff success. Luca did it. Uh, Trey Young did it too last year. So he's teetering right now just because of what it looks like so far against the Heat. Now, the, I mean, the Heat are uh, by far a superior team. There's only so much that the, the that the Hawks can do. But it's the way that Trey Young's playing where it yeah. just looks like, you know, he, he he's not playing at that elite level right now. Well, he's terrible in game one, shooting-wise. Yeah. And then I think he had ten turnovers yesterday, Yeah, you know, in game two. So, yeah. uh, but here's the deal. Here's what I have a problem with. You can't say that he's like a superstar, budding superstar, got it done last year, and then he's not a superstar this year, right? Like, I, I don't think it works that way. Like, you can have bad series. You can have bad games. You can have better years than other years. But he proved that he got it. If that's the barometer, he proved that he got it done last year. Yeah, that but, elevated him to a status where now everywhere he goes, he's booed and blah blah blah. Sure, you know? sure, sure. But I think with the superstar though, like you, you have to establish that for a couple of seasons. Like, that's I mean, fair. he he's so young, so it's hard to call somebody a superstar if we haven't really seen a giant sample size. And what we've seen so far in this series, it's kind of showing that well, maybe he's not a superstar. So, I, I mean, I get that we live in the moment, and you're only as good as your last game. And last year he did make a name for himself, but now this year it's kind of counterbalancing a little bit because they are struggling. How uh, I define superstars is uh, how much their card is worth. Okay. Very young. Is he doing all right? How's, how's his rookie card? Yeah, pretty good. How, how's Jason Tatum doing? Oh, I bet he's solid. Gus Bradley would say solid. That means like I, it wasn't very good. Oh, I bet Jason Tatum's <laughs> solid right now. <laughs> not as good as birds. Not as good as birds. See? Well, and, and we have to go with Michael Jordan again because I mean we, we can play that game all day if you want to play that game all day. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like you have to go run and hide behind Jordan all the time because he's, he's the favorite NBA player of all time. I mean, that's it. He, he's not yours. He certainly isn't. I mean, you could have you could have came in the pool too. There was plenty of room to be on the Michael Jordan bandwagon. No, there you, wasn't a lot of you room. Didn't, you didn't want. What do you mean there's no. not a lot of room? They need to had, blow the adult swim what whistle do you mean in not that a pool. Kid, we just had like a six-year-old kid walking with a Michael Jordan North Carolina jersey. So don't tell me there's not enough room on the Michael Jordan bandwagon. There's not enough room. He's cra- he he can't even get in the pool. I mean, he's the kid that had, little space. The, the the kid that had the UNC looked like an authentic Michael Jordan jersey. I know the yeah. Easter guess what? Brought it to him, I guess. Kids in the pool and we're hanging out. We we got floaties. We got non-alcoholic beverages. We got everything. Someone else was to drown in that pool to make room for the kids. Careful now. It's a little morbid. <laughs> careful now. We're talking about bandwagons and pools. Uh, the uh, Jaw Real did it. Jaw Real did it. You know. You were um, concerned. You didn't like him. You got nervous when he was talking oh, all abs- that trash. Oh, absolutely. But listen, this is like he kind of put himself all in and said, "If I'm going to talk trash." Uh, I'm going to back it up, and it, it's the ultimate risky move. It's almost like Conor McGregor when he goes out there and he talks so much smack before the fight. Well, you're setting yourself up for you're either going to be a hero or you're going to be kind of the villain and look like a jester for a little bit. John Morant put him all, put himself all in on Instagram, and he backed it up. Now, he saw to win the series, uh, I think, to, to earn that respect, but uh, 124 points against 96 points against the Minnesota Timberwolves is a great start. Now, I was disappointed. Hey, Minnesota fans, where was the protesting last night? Watched <laughs> the entire game glued to my television. Not a sniff 
of protesting last night. I was disappointed with that. Nobody was glued to the floor. No one was glued to the floor. No one was chaining themselves to the, the basketball hoop. Nobody took a big thing of uh, of paint, of, of Valspar paint, and poured themselves on the middle of the court like I suggested. Hey, uh, Valspar, cut the check. I was going to say, that's a, that's a pretty good pull. I'm not yeah. sure I would have gone there first for my paint. And now the Suns might be in shambles, so we'll see what happens with that. Well, yeah, I mean, what's up with that? Well, Devin Booker, man. I know. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, and he probably had, like, survive? He probably had, like, the highlight of the night, too, when he gave that kid a little yeah, he gave like, cool. he, he gave, like, a little t- a baby. It was literally a yeah, baby. Might have, really might cool. have just came from the hospital. I don't know. Like, he might have just been born. But <laughs> I Booker did see, hits like, a big there shot. A, there was a tweet, like, hey, kid walking into school tomorrow, uh, into preschool. Oh, after yeah. That. I was like, that kid wasn't walking anywhere. I don't even think he could walk yet. No, they're, they're <laughs> going to carry that dude. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean. What if the guy, by the way, when you're that little. Yeah. How oh, much awesome. you spending on a ticket to go to a game? Like, no, does it even matter? You don't pay for him. No, you don't pay for that. Oh, you just bringing him for a babysitter? <laughs> yeah, you don't got to pay for a baby for for a basketball game. He yeah, yeah. he's not taking the. Well, first of all, they're sitting front row. I was gonna so money. Yeah, but money's not an option then. You know, like if, if you're sitting front row of a playoff game, I don't care if it's Phoenix or not. If you're sitting front row, Phoenix and six, by the way. If you're sitting front row at a Phoenix Suns game. Yeah, you're not worried about money whatsoever. So, I mean, I don't think he bought his, his own little baby. I think it was, it was a baby boy. His yeah. baby boy, a, a basketball ticket. But even if he did, it probably didn't really make too much of a, a damage in that bank account. I think you just said sons and six. Well, you know, that's what I mean. That's I the, yeah, 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 are they yeah, still yeah. going to win this series? Oh, no. I mean, I'm still confident in the Suns um, because, you know, it's the Pelicans and, and they're 10 games under 500. And I think if you're 10 games under 500, you can't beat the number one ranked team in the NBA uh, the regular season because if that happens, then the whole NBA falls on itself. So I still have the Suns. I hope it's the Suns, Brett. I hope it's the Suns. Uh, <laughs> Let's just say that much. Uh, we have Shakir Mock coming up live from the Bullies House of Cards. Come on down. Say hello. Uh, pick yourself up a Larry Bird rookie card. Be worth a bunch. <laughs> forever. We'll be back on ESPN 690.